Lord, we just sang a song that says we fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. And that is us declaring that we're laying down our kingdom, our world, our, our will, our desires for that we can receive yours, Jesus. Lord, the true king in all of this is you. But yet we admit that sometimes, Father, we get in the way of that. We act as if we're king and we're the owners of our lives. So this morning, Jesus, as we lay down our crowns and as we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, we are just asking, Jesus, for your revelation. We're asking that you reign supreme as king of our lives. And we're asking, Father, that you would show in our hearts, Lord, where it is that we aren't letting you in to be king. God, where in our hearts, where in our lives, Father, do we still need to surrender to your righteousness? Lord, where do we need to surrender so that you will continually sanctify us, Jesus? God, what are the closets that we're not opening to you, we're not giving you the key to, Jesus? Lord, we are asking your spirit to speak and to show and to reveal because our desire in our hearts hopefully is to become more like you, Jesus. And we can't do that if we continue to hold on to the things in our lives that don't please you, that don't bring your name glory. So this morning, God, we are just asking for you to show up, for you to do great and mighty things in our lives this morning. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're probably wondering, why is our table up here? And why is it fancy and covered? Well, today we get to talk about a passage in Scripture called the Great Banquet. And I figured it'd be good to have a fancy table set up for that. Um, But if you don't know me already, it's been abundantly clear that I love two things. Outside of Jesus, I love food. And I love people. And there's nothing greater than combining those two things and having people with food. I love it. Like, for me, I I find that wherever there's food and there's a table and there's conversations, great things usually happen. And a lot of times it's it's relationships being built and conversations and and lives being understood and and transparency happening and and all these things that are going on. And sometimes a a meal means life-changing. You know, sometimes, you know, you could sit down to a meal, have a conversation, and out of it, like, there's a job or, or there's healing or there's something going on. And you find satisfaction having these beautiful conversations at the table And that's exactly, when I look at Scripture, it's a big part of God's heart. It's community. It's relationships. And I don't know about you, but like some of the greatest events that ever happened, Jesus was at a party where there was food and there was joy and there was fellowship and there was conversations that were happening. And so this morning, as we continually talk about the kingdom of God, Right? We continue talking about God's kingdom and our, 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 our calling in that and our hearts to that. This morning, I want to talk about the next week in our series on the 40 Days of Prayer. And the title of this one is called Reawakening to the Mission of Christ. Great. I love that game plan. 
And so this morning, let's open up to Luke chapter 14. And we're going to look at a, uh, a passage of scripture called a parable. Can anyone tell me what a parable is? Story. A story. What's the goal of the story? To teach a lesson. And in Christ's usually way of doing it, what is Christ teaching? When Christ says a parable, you know, it's not just a story, not just an important lesson, but it summarizes down to Christ is pointing to the kingdom of God. In all of his parables, he's teaching us what the kingdom of God is all about. And in his stories, while some of them are strange and, and crazy, he, he's telling us a, a pretty important part. And so this morning we are in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Be helpful if I actually turn there. So starting in verse 12, Luke chapter 14, I'm reading it in the ESV, so you may have a different translation. Um, but this is what it says. He said, also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquets. So Jesus is telling this story, and he's telling them, you know, don't, don't always just invite friends or, or people of high, you know, esteem. He's like, invite the poor, invite the crippled. Why? Because such is the kingdom of these. And so we have this simple story that Jesus is speaking to illustrate a spiritual point. This parable is about a feast, a banquet. Feast or, or wedding party. In a wedding, these are, these are places of celebration, right? Jesus is, is talking about this celebration that is happening And this celebration, you know, is for anyone who's invited to the feast, right? Like, when you have a celebration, right, random people just don't show up and say, okay, I'm here. Like, no, usually when you have a celebration or you have something going on, you're usually inviting people, right? Like, for me, I think one of the most fantastic celebrations, but yet one of the most stressful times is planning a wedding. 
right? Like you're planning a wedding and you're, you're talking with your significant other, soon to be your spouse, and you're like, who do we invite to this? And you set out this, this list and you start talking about people. And along the way, you have other people going, well, no, that person should be invited. Your second cousin once removed, who you have no relationship with, but yet you're told to come. And so, okay, they're, they're invited, right? And all these people are invited. They all say yes, right? But then the day of the wedding shows up and three-fourths of them don't come. How would you feel? You just paid for all these plates and all this food and, you know, only 30 people out of 100 showed up. How would that make you feel? Disappointed, right? Angry, frustrated, and so you're like, I have all this food. <laughs> For some people, it might be a blessing, right? Like, great, yes. <laughs> like, but you have all this food that you've paid for. What do you do with it? Now, how many of you would just go out to the streets or go out to the parks and say, hey, I have all this food. Come to my wedding. Come to my party. I have no idea who you are, but come. Most of us probably wouldn't do that, right? Like, we wouldn't go out to the streets and just ran, you know, random people in the street saying, hey, I'm having this wedding. Come, be a part of it. I have all this food, right? Come, celebrate with us. But Jesus, in this, this parable, is trying to tell a point because you have this man, right? He, Jesus was talking about uh, who to invite, and this man turns to him and says, blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. This man most likely is a Jewish man, and so he's like, blessed are the Jews, right? because it's, it's the Jews that are going to be in the kingdom. It's the Jews that are going to be a part of it. And Jesus turns to him and says, oh, I want to talk to you about a feast, about a man, right? Who had, you know, he had this great celebration, this great idea to celebrate with people. So he sends out these invites and he gets all these invites to come. But then in, in, in first century, especially in, in the Palestine area, where a lot of this usually, most people would say it took place, Usually invite them, they say yes. And so you prayer this food on the day of the feast. You go out to say, hey, come. Like those that you invited, you go to them and say, hey, come to my feast. It's time. Right? And so they go out to, to say, hey, come. Those that I invited, come. The, the, the food is ready. The meal is ready. Come. Well, then he gets, begins to get all of these excuses, right? One says that, um, I think he says that he bought a bunch of land and he has to go out and see it. And then another one says, well, I'm gonna, I, I just bought five oxen. I need to go examine them. And another, right, says, I just married a wife. I can't come. In themselves, they're not bad, right? Like how many of you have ever bought property? Or you've bought land, right? Like, or you bought a house, right? Now, I didn't grow up where we were able to just go randomly buy oxen or cows, but I guess you could do that here, right? And so you go out. But let me ask you a question. How many of you would just buy cows or buy oxen without going to look at them? Or how many of you would just randomly, I mean, I guess nowadays with the market, it happens, but how many of you just buy property or buy a house without going to look at it? So like when you look at these stories, right, these excuses, while they're not bad in themselves, they're just a lot of strange things, right? Like most people would not buy a property without examining it, without going to look at it. And it says here that he bought this property and he needs to go look at it. Or, you know, usually when, when you go to buy oxen or you go buy these things, especially in this culture, is that they would go examine them before they buy them. 
And so you have them making these excuses. Now, you know, marrying a wife, marrying a spouse, right? And you're enjoying them, enjoying their company, especially what it sounds like is that he's on his honeymoon and he just can't come. I mean, a honeymoon's a great thing, right? Like, it's pretty awesome. But here's a couple things that, you know, they're, they're having these excuses as to why they can't come to a wedding. And in first century, weddings were a big deal to the point that everyone knew that a wedding was happening, and a lot of people were usually invited to it. And typically, they wouldn't place a big celebration on the same day as another celebration or even close to it. And so all these excuses and these things that are happening, while they're not bad in themselves, especially in their culture, it is, um, it is bad to say you're coming to a party and then have these excuses and not show up. And, and you figure... Like here is some of the, the, when they're making a meal, right? So a chicken would be for two to four guests. If they made a duck, it would be for five to eight. A lamb would be for 10 to 15, and a sheep for 15 to 35, and a calf for 35 to 75 people. So in other words, you know, the type of meat, whatever was prepared, would depend on the number of people who accepted the invitation. Once an animal has been killed, it must be eaten sooner or else it will spoil. Therefore, to back out the last minute would be rude, right? Like, oh, I can't come, even though I told you I'm coming. The invited guest is duty-bound to attend the banquet. It was considered very rude to attend a banquet, even if you were not invited. You know, because after all, right, the meal was prepared for specific people in mind. But you got to imagine, this guy, this owner, has this celebration, and all these people said they were coming, and so he prepares the feast Right? They didn't have freezers like we have them. They didn't have things that would keep them cold or like, okay, I can freeze this and I can have it again in a couple weeks. Right? Like They didn't have any of that. So when they made all this food, it, they had to get rid of it or else it would spoil. And so all these excuses led to a man that was very frustrated and very angry. And so this man says, okay, to his servant, well, go out, get the poor, the crippled, those that are in town that usually are outcasts that most people would not consider. Bring them in. And this man's like, sir, I've done that, and there's still plenty of room. Then he's like, okay, then go out to the highways, go to the byways, go to everything that's out there, and invite them to come as well. Not only that, but compel them to come. This idea of compelling is almost forcing. It's urging. It's, it's passionately telling them to come. And so he's inviting now everyone pretty much, like anyone who wants to come to have a celebration. How many of you, if somebody came up to you and said, I'm offering you a, a five-star meal, how many of you guys would come to that? Uh, right? Like uh, you, you're offering me the, the greatest of meats, the best of sides, the greatest drinks. And I don't know you, but you're telling me to come to this party? Like, yeah, I'm coming. Right? And so... And Jesus continues on, and he says this. Those are for the kingdom. Those that come are for the kingdom. But he says at the end of verse 25, that many people who are invited will not be a part of it because they didn't show up and they didn't come to the table. And so Jesus is telling this parable, telling this story. And, and the man, the man that's inviting the, the, the owner it, it is God himself. And the people that he initially invited to the feast were Jews. They were Israelites. They were God's people. But when you look at Scripture, we see that God's people denied Christ, denied God. 
And so Jesus is saying, okay, since those that are, are, are my people are not coming and they have not accepted my invitation, well, then I'm going out and I'm inviting people who are usually overlooked. I'm inviting the outcasts. And so he goes to those in the people of Israel and says, okay, the lame, the poor, the outcasts, the, the addicts, all those, bring them in to me. And then he says this. And he says, okay, now go out to the highways and to the byways. Go out to those that are outside of our culture, and those are the Gentiles. And he's saying, I want you to invite them to the table. God's kingdom initially was for the people of Israel, but the people of Israel did not accept God. And so God, throughout Scripture, you see that he said, okay, well, then I'm going to the Gentiles. And this banquet, God is now inviting the Gentiles. He's inviting those that, are, that have no intention at first of joining in the kingdom, of, of, of having a relationship with God because they're, they're pagans, they're outside of that. But God's like, I want you to invite them to come in. And so he goes out there and he's encouraging and he's ur- urging them to come to a lucrative feast. Over in the midst of all this, when I look at this, is a very important message to know. It wasn't the rich or those that were preoccupied that came to Jesus. Those that were recognizing their brokenness and saw someone who cared about them. And so the kingdom is for those who recognize their brokenness and come to the table. It was the outcasts. It was those that were broken. It was the addicts. It was the poor. All those that, that realized they were down to their limit and someone saying, I want to give you a meal. And I don't know about you, but when I hear stories, most of the time I hear stories of people who were at their last leg, and it was those that came to Jesus. Because they recognized that I have nothing, and I'm broken, but yet Christ still loves me, and he still cares for me. Well, that's the God I want to worship. And so the more we admit our brokenness and our need, right? We talked last week that the kingdom of God, the church, are, are filled with a bunch of broken and messy people who Christ redeemed, who Christ brought in, purchased, healed, redeemed, washed white as snow, and gave them a calling. So we admit our brokenness and need. And the closer we get to the kingdom of God, the more we deny our brokenness and need. Right? We, we go, right? And, and we come to God, and we realize that in Christ, God heals our brokenness. God heals all that, and we are made whole in Christ. We have to recognize that God is preparing a feast of rich food for all people. And the Bible says, On the mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will make take away from all earth, for the Lord has spoken." And then Revelation 9, 6 through 9, right? The, the wedding supper of the land. He says this, I, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of many peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine living, bright and pure. For the fine linen is righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. 
the true bride of Christ is invited to come to the table. Those that God desires to be a part of his kingdom are invited to come. And when we typically have these, right, we have tea, feasts, we have parties, we have all these things, what the underlying factor is under all of this is relationship. Christ desires a relationship. Christ desires for you to come to the table, to, to be in a relationship with him. The wedding feast of the Lamb is about a relationship with Jesus. He takes his bride, takes off of her, her clothes, and grants her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And so in all of this, as we look at this parable, what is God saying? What is, what is he saying as he inviting us to the table? Well, your first blank on there is that you are invited. Point to yourself and say, I am invited. Turn to your neighbor and says, you are invited. I know it's cold in here, but come on. God has prepared a place for you at his table. He's prepared this feast, he's prepared this table, and he is inviting everyone to come to it. This is a place where you can lay down your baggage and enjoy being in the presence of a king. The king himself is inviting you to his table to come. The table, right? This, this table has room for everyone, right? Like, yes, I know there's six chairs up here, right? And you're like, how's that room for everyone? Well, God's table, it keeps extending. It doesn't end. That's the beautiful thing is that when we create feasts and we have celebrations, usually there's a limit of how many people you can accept or allow at a feast and at a party. But God's kingdom is unlimited. It's eternal. It keeps going. There's room for you at this table. There's room for anyone at this table. God's desire is for everyone to come to the table. Slides, hold on. But here's the thing we have to know is that God's desire, right, is for everyone to be at the table. And that's the one thing I love about Jesus. When we look at Scripture, you know, the Bible says that he is slow to anger. Why? Because he wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come to the table. But that's what I love about him. He doesn't have a limit. Does he have expectations? Yes. Does he have requirements? Yes, but he doesn't have a limit. God is inviting you to the table. We must be willing to open that door and accept his invitation. God is knocking. He's saying, come. But here's the thing you cannot allow. Don't allow excuses to keep you from God's table. And this, this goes, right, not only for salvation, right? Like this parable is for, for salvation, but yet we can look at this and we can look at our lives and go, every single day, God is calling you to the table. But so many times we have these excuses as to why we can't come. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. Well, I got this going on. I have this sporting event to get to. I have all these things happening in my life, and I don't have time to, to sit down and, and have a meal with Jesus. But God's like, come. Every day he's like, come to the table. Have a meal with me. Enjoy my fellowship. Enjoy my presence. We always have these excuses to why we can't come. And we can either allow excuses to drive us, to control us, or we can say, you know what? 
I have to make time because my relationship with Jesus is important. Can you imagine Jesus said, I'm busy running a world. I can't die for you. I'm busy doing this. I I can't do that. But Christ didn't. In the midst of everything that's happening, Christ chose to come down and die on the cross for our sins. Why? Because he desires a relationship with us and he desires for us to come to that table. And Jesus is inviting us into an intimate relationship with him. And we can either say, you know what? I don't want that. The Bible says those that, that... receive an invitation and don't come, well, the kingdom of God isn't yours. You can't grow in your relationship with Jesus if you're not making time for him and you're not setting that. But yet we can look at our lives and we can say we're watching TV for five hours a day or we're playing video games or we're doing this or we're doing that. And we realize, well, I don't have time. But when you look at it, you actually have time. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. Why is it that some make time and others don't? It's priorities. It's commitment. God is inviting you to come. And we can have these excuses, but these excuses are going to hinder your spiritual growth. These excuses are going to get in the way. Matter of fact, these excuses are called idols. Tim Keller says this, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And having that you seek to give you what only God can give, right? We, idols are anything that we look to to seek for fulfillment, to seek for satisfaction, to seek for peace, to seek for hope, to seek for healing. And anything apart from God is an idol. What idols in our lives are, are keeping us from having a relationship with Jesus? Going to the table means being in the presence of Jesus. And here's the thing, I guarantee you that when we look at scripture, you will be blessed coming to the table. Because this feast that God is inviting to will transform your life. Those of Jesus, they'll be called sons and daughters of the king. This feast, this celebration is a wedding feast and it's an adoption party and it's everything mixed into one. Because God is calling you. But this feast will also encourage you to bless others. You are you are sent to be a blessing. You are sent to be a blessing. Right? That's the second point, I believe. Right? We're coming to this table. You're invited and you come. And when you're down at the table, God is saying, okay, now I want you to go invite. You've experienced the goodness. You've experienced the beauty of sitting with the king. And the king is saying, now I want you to go invite someone else to be a part of this table. Because this feast requires an invitation. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of Jesus. Everyone who has accepted the invitation to come to God, to lay down their lives, to surrender everything to Christ, to come to the table, is now invited to go and invite others to that same exact table that you're invited to, that you came to. But here's the thing. We have to understand this. In this passage, right, in this passage in Romans 10, we can't invite ourselves to the table. Like, if you know me, 
And my wife drives, this drives my wife crazy because I hear about acceleration or I hear something is happening and I try to invite myself to that party. Right? Oh, you're having this? Huh. And I ask questions and my hope is that, hey, you want to come? Right? I can't just show up, but if someone says, well, do you want to come? Oh, sure. We can't invite ourselves to God's table, but it's God who does the inviting. And when we accept Jesus and Christ comes in to live with us, Christ gives us a mission to go and invite others to the table. Many people have heard about Jesus, but they've never, ever been invited to the table. No one's ever said, hey, come to that table. Here's the thing. Many people, if they don't know about the feast, they, they can't go. We need to invite them. And in our book, Hero Maker, that the elders are going through, here's a great um, quote that I, I just love. It says this, Our world desperately needs a multiplied number of heroes. We need heroic difference makers who aren't afraid to step out and make an impact in the lives of people. Kids, students, the poor, those struggling with addiction, the marginalized, those afflicted with wealth, business leaders, and more. Christ desires for those to go out to some of the unreached people groups, uh, those that, that most people won't go to, and he's saying, I want you to go there, and I want you to invite. Christ is calling us to do the opposite of what Jonah did, right? God called Jonah to go to the people, and what did he do? <clears throat> he went to the opposite direction, right? He went the opposite direction, in the midst of that, we saw his pride. We saw his arrogance because he didn't want a people group who he thought were evil to accept the goodness of God. But yet God is saying, I want you to go there. Why? Because I want them to experience my love. I want them to experience my goodness. But every time we look at, at someone who may be an addict or someone who's poor or someone who's struggling or someone who's just completely living in evil, and we look at them, and in our hearts, we honestly can say, well, they don't deserve God's love. And God's like, are you kidding me right now? You don't deserve my love, but yet I gave it to you anyway. None of us in this room deserve the love of God, but he gives it to us anyway. And he's calling us to go and, and to reach and to invest and to invite and to be a part of, of those who are struggling. He's calling us to be a part and, and to bring them in and invite them to come to the table and all of their hurt and all their baggage to come to the table because it's at the table that God says, I want to take that away. And I want to heal that. And I want to be a part of that. And I want to free you from your struggles. I want to free you from your addictions. I want to free you from your lifestyle because I have a better life for you. Christ is calling you to invite everyone, not just specific people. He wants you to invite the emotionally broken, the physically broken, the spiritually broken. God desires for us to go to the addicts, to the thieves, to those who have hurt us and invite them to the table because God desires to do a work in their lives and we cannot, we can't allow them to go to hell without inviting them to the table. We can't. God's desire is to free them, to heal them. Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. God is calling us to the exact opposite of what a lot of the world is telling us to do. And at this table, right, we know that typically at a celebration, there is an appetizer, there is a meal, and there is dessert. And so Christ is calling us to the table. And here is what's at the table. The appetizer is forgiveness. 
God's saying, come to the table. I want to forgive you. I want to wash your sins white as snow. And after we do that, here are some of the things, right? We know that the main dish, the main meal, the main meat is grace. God desires to give us grace that we don't deserve. But yet he desires to give us anyway. And there's sides of, of hope. Hope. And there's sides of adoption, right? Christ desires, Christ says that I, when you come to the table and you accept me, I want to adopt you as my own son and daughter. And I want to give you the rights that I have given my son, Jesus. We have these sides, right? And then for dessert, we have healing and transformation. We also have this beautiful cupcake. Excuse me. Mm. God's a really good baker. Oh, and we have coffee. We have to have coffee, right? And so this table is full of grace and hope and love and justice and forgiveness and healing and transformation. And that is the best table you can come to. But you have to come. You have to accept God's invitation. You can't experience all of this if you say, you know what? Yeah, I'll come, but then don't show up. Like if someone invites me to a meal that has lobster, and I say, yeah, I'm coming, and I don't come, I don't get to experience the lobster, right? It's the same thing. God is inviting everyone to this table, and he's calling us to come, to eat of the bread of life, to drink of the living water, and he's coming us to come to the table and everything so that he can redeem us, that he can forgive us. And finally, you are called to go and compel. You are called to go and compel. Luke 14, 23, after inviting the lame, inviting the poor, he's like, there's more room at the table. And he says, well, then go to the highways and byways and compel the people to come. The, the gospel requires us to go outside of our zone of comfort, to go outside of our inner circle to invite to come in. And we know in Luke, right? We see in Luke, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. We also know in Scripture that the doorway to it is narrow. We are called to go and to compel. This, this, this word compel comes from the Greek word that means to, to force, to urge strongly. Like you're going and, and you're, you're not just saying, hey, come to this party. Like, you're like screaming at the top of your lungs, come to this party. Like, you have to come. And literally, you're grabbing their hands saying, come, come, come. Right? You're forcing them. You're urging them. You're encouraging them strongly to come. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it's a similar word that says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. The same word compel is the same word implore. It's just this urgent and passionate way of saying, come to the party. We need to live with a sense of urgency and passion if we're going to fulfill the mission of Christ. But I can tell you this, I don't always live with that. And I have to repent and confess of that to Jesus because I always don't live with that urgency. And Christ is saying, you have to live with urgency. But here's the beautiful thing, right? Your life will compel them. 
Not only your voice, but your life will confound them. When they look at your life, if you're living for Jesus, it's going to scream that there's something better for them. And I'm living it. Right? Colossians, in chapter 4, as we continue to sing Colossians, right? And it just says this, Continually stood fastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am prison, that I may make it clear to which is how I ought to speak. And he says this, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that they may know how you ought to answer each person, right? Like your lives, Paul is saying, may my life and my speech be a, a, a witness to compel them to come to the table, to be a part of it. The way that you treat your spouse, your kids, your friends, your bosses, the way that you look at your job, the way that you treat your coworkers and, and your customers are going to show whether or not you believe in Jesus. And if you're living for Jesus and you're passionate about that, your lives are going to scream and urge and implore and encourage people to come to that table. God desires that everyone to be at the feast. God wants everyone here. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your present. God is saying, I want you to come to the table and I want to wash your past white as snow because I've died for your past. I've died for your present. I've died for your future. Like when I died on the cross, my blood covered all of that. But I want you to come because I want to heal that. I want to take your brokenness. I want to make it whole. I want to take your addictions and I want to free you from that. I want to take your struggles and I want to give you peace and joy and love. There's no excuses. Come to the feast and be transformed. And as believers, we get to come every single day to the table and allow Christ to continually sanctify us, to mold us into who he wants us to be. God's table can never be full. There will always be room for any for many to enter. And God wants us to bring this message to the broken. God wants us to take the message to the ends of the world. The chair that awaits is the reserved seat for those who accept the servant's invitation. This itself, this, this parable in Luke is a word picture for the kingdom of God. God is inviting you to continually be a part of his kingdom. And he's commissioning you to invite others to be a part of this kingdom. But here's the thing we need to understand. The feast, like when you look at the Gospels, this feast, after Jesus says in Luke that, that many aren't going to enter, here's the thing we know if we look at it, right? This feast doesn't end. There's no conclusion to it. There's no ending to it. Why? Because God is still inviting people to the table. God is still inviting people to come to the feast, to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's no ending because God is still working. God desires for people to come, which is why he's slow to anger, which is why he, he hasn't come back yet, which is why we're living in this age we're living in because it's not over. God is still waiting for guests to come to take their seats. And we have a chance to be a part of that. Matthew 24, right? The verse I always say in verse 14, right? The end won't come until the Gospels has reached the end of the world. And when the, the Gospels reach the end of the world, right, the end will come. The Gospel hasn't reached the end of the world. The Gospel hasn't reached every tribe and every nation and every people group. And because of that, we still have a mission to go out and proclaim to the world to come to the table. Your neighbor still has a chance to come to the table if they've never accepted him. 
And that is our calling. That is our desire to go to everyone, not just select few, not just people that we want to go talk to, but everyone that we come in contact with. The, God, the kingdom of God, right, is for anyone who accepts the invitation and comes. Point four. And there's one thing that I want you to remember is this, is that there are enough chairs at the kingdom feast. Everyone is invited, and we are called to go and compel and invite people to come. That is our calling. But the question you need to ask yourself is this, to myself, how important is the invitation to me? If it's very important to me, well, shouldn't it be important to everyone that we come in contact with? Shouldn't we accept, right? If the invitation to come to the table is just as important for me, then we need to live that out for everyone to see. This feast, this kingdom is for everyone to come to the table. And you have a mission to go and invite people. Let's pray. Jesus, God, you're good. Lord, you are faithful. You are righteous. God, and you're calling us to come to be a part of this table. And we may look at it, and we may see your invitation, and we may hear that we're called to invite. And there's always 